1: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 127 and it's the 5th anniversary show sponsored by HelloFresh. And it's about music from the TV show Heels and a normally... For the anniversary shows, I bring on co-creator and former co-host Chris Maffei. Uh This year, though, Chris is unable to be here, unfortunately, so instead, today I am joined by one of the guys responsible for this show being on the air in the first place. He is one half of the flagship podcast here on the VOW Network. It's Joe Lanza. Hello, Joe.
0: What a disappointment. You don't get Chris, you get me. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's not what people want, but that's don't. what they're going to get.
1: Don't sell yourself short. I mean, this is pretty historic, actually, in a number of ways, because, you know, it's the fifth anniversary, it's your debut on the show here, uh, and it's the first time we've ever done any podcasting together at all, because whenever I've done something for the flagship Patreon, it's just been with Rich, and you're not there. So this is, you know, long overdue, Joe, so I'm glad you're on here, finally.
0: Yeah, it's hard to keep track of who I've done shows with or not, but as You say that, I just realized that we've never um, done a podcast together. We've been at wrestling shows together. Uh, You obviously, as everybody knows, you are the producer, Andrew Rich, and you (laughs) put together all of my audio because uh, I'm too stupid to do that stuff. But we've never actually done audio together. Has there really been 127 episodes of this show?
1: Amazingly, yes. Um, There there were a few bonus episodes early on, too, but uh, yeah, there have been... 127 episodes of this show uh, Over the course of, of five years Which just is crazy to me That it's been that long Because, you know, it's a bit cliche to say this I know, but um, it feels like it's gone by in a heartbeat um, But yeah, it was five years ago That me and Chris came to you and Rich And presented the show idea And, and all that and, and you gave us the platform and the go-ahead And the rest is history And it's been a lot of fun, for sure A lot of hard work as well And um, it's been a grind at times, no doubt But uh it's all been worth it I think for the friendships made and the nice reviews and the support from everybody and and I want to say to you here now um Joe uh, thank you so much again to you and Rich for giving this show a platform way back when and always supporting it over the years and and always giving me the creative freedom to do the show my own way. So um I just want to say thank you again Joe. I'm I'm very grateful for all that stuff.
0: Oh, well thanks but as Jim Ross would say, uh, you know, music of the mat is a unique format. (laughs) No one else was really doing, no one else was really doing a show like this. And there was no, no, there was nobody better to do a show like this or more equipped to do this type of show than you and Chris. So, um, I remember when it was pitched to me, uh, I can't remember whether it was by you or by rich, probably by rich. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is a no brainer. We've got to add this show because no one's doing this. And it's, uh, you know, as we've said a million times, the last thing we want on our network is a dozen shows doing a Raw review. And this is the furthest thing from that. So, um, yeah, it, time does fly. I can't believe it's been five years, and I'm stunned. When you said 127 – when you said <laughs> episode 127, I'm thinking to myself, wait, is this like season one episode 27? <laughs> does he really mean he's done 127 of these? It's, it's incredible – how fast time moves.
1: Yeah, it's pretty weird, because I was thinking about the longevity of the show in regards to the network. I believe this is the fourth longest-running show on the V.O.W. network. There's the flagship, obviously, Shake Them Ropes, Open the Voice Gate, and Us. Those are the top four. And that kind of blew my mind again, because it does feel like yesterday that we were the new kids in town. But, you know, now it's five years later, and... The show is a longtime veteran of the network, and we've got so many episodes done over the years, and yeah, it's it's pretty wild, Joe.
0: Yeah, let me let me think about that. You're definitely older than jumping bomb audio. Uh Days of Thunder just joined. Uh you said VoiceGate, you said shake them ropes. Super J Cast? That's a
1: Technically, probably... oh, technically they... because of the ProCast, yeah. but it became the Super J Cast after the show started. So yeah. um we are before them, I guess, in that In that sense.
0: Yeah. Edged out Omakase, too, I guess.
1: Yeah, that started in like um, mid 2017. So uh, after us as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're right. You are the fourth longest running show. Well, congratulations for having no life like the other (laughs) four shows that are ahead of you. And uh, and here we are with episode number one twenty seven. So there you go.
1: Yeah, my life has been nothing but uh, music and editing and puns these past five years. It's it's been a it's been a fun ride. Yeah, but um, I, but my but favorite,
0: I do. My favorite Andrew Rich moment. is... Oh, here we go. You know I'm going to bring this up. My favorite Andrew Rich moment of all time is standing in La Boom in Queens, New York, WrestleMania weekend. Ah, uh, here we go. A couple of years ago, and. Uh, Andrew Rich running through the front door with his ticket in hand just as the main event is ending. Yep. That is my favorite Andrew Rich moment of all time.
1: I walk into the venue. I go past Santana and Ortiz in the lobby and I enter the actual room. And I see you standing there. And in yeah. the distance, I see Kyle O'Reilly and Austin Theory hitting the finish. One, two, three. Yeah. Like the timing was just perfect in that sense. And, you know, I, I shake your hand. Hey, Joe, nice to meet you. I'm Andrew. And you go, hey, nice to meet you too wait a minute. Did you just get here? Like, yeah, my my train was late. I had to get to the Airbnb and put my bags away. So um, yeah, it was a very auspicious start to my first Mania weekend, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just tremendous. Was your next show at least at that venue or did you have to hop back on the train?
1: It was. Yeah, it was the uh, the WXW show. That was like an hour later. Um, And then the DDT show that night. So yeah, I was supposed to be at Laboom all day long, but I missed that first show. That so, would have been the um, worst
0: if if you had to skip
1: over to Jersey City oh, and, yeah. and an hour later for like blood sport or whatever. Yeah, that would have been just a nightmare cuz cuz that was on no sleep too, which was a whole other thing um that first day. So yeah, that would have been a real tricky thing, but um but all in all it was a very fun weekend and a very uh, special one too. So it was pretty cool.
0: I'm going to be bringing up that story for 20 years. You know that. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. But um, before we go on, um, I do want to give another thank you uh, to Chris Maffay. Uh Chris had the original idea for this show in the first place. So without him, none of this would be here at all. So I do just want to say thank you again to him. And I wish he was here as per tradition. But um, again, life got in the way and you can't make it this year. So uh, Chris, if you're listening, buddy – Thank you again, as always, and I'm always grateful for you. You so. know,
0: Chris was the one, and people may not know this, Chris was the original clip guy for the flagship, and there was a long thread on the old, now dead, Voice of Wrestling message board where he would post clips from the show. He was the one who put together the longtime opening of the flagship with the stop yelling at me, I agree, and the X out and go listen to a show uh, that, that's afraid of their own shadow. Chris did that. I don't know if people know that. That, that was his work. He put together that opening. So uh, that's a little. That's another little piece of uh, voices of wrestling trivia.
1: Yeah. So even though he's not, you know, actually on the network anymore, he's still around in some way. Whether it's the flagship intro or the disclaimer at the end of every episode of this podcast, he's still, you know, part of the gang. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, Joe, uh, we are going to talk today about music from the TV show. Heels. Heels is a scripted drama on Stars about the Duffy Wrestling League, this indie promotion in Georgia that's trying to get bigger and get more fans. It's run by Jack Spade, who's also the main heel in the company. His younger brother is Ace Spade, the good looking face, and the show basically deals with their conflicts, their relationships with their families, and uh, the other people on the roster. There's a rival promotion, there are scandals and drama. All you would expect from a show like this, and um Joe, we both watched the show, and we both enjoyed a lot too and um you know even though it doesn't really portray the pro wrestling aspect of it as realistically as possible all the time, they do tinker with it now and then. It's still I think, a really engaging show to watch of these characters and their stories, Joe
0: I think it portrayed wrestling as closely as they could portray it while handling the balance between knowing that wrestling nerds are going to watch it and knowing that they have to also build an audience of non-wrestling nerds. I think they handled that balance very well. Because there's a lot of things that are, like, scary accurate. And then it also has to be a TV show. So if any promotion had as much scandal and people going into business for themselves as the Duffy Wrestling League, they'd be (laughs) out of business in two months. But it's a a TV show, so you kind of have to you have things have to happen if you have a, you know, uh, the plot has to move forward and things have to happen. But I I thought they did a a pretty good job balancing those scales between being honest about uh, being honest to the true pro wrestling fan and also, you know, handling the entertainment aspects of a TV show.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's always important to remember that it's not quote unquote a wrestling show. It's, it's more about the brothers and their relationship and, Trying to live up to their dad's legacy and, and wanting to be a bigger star and break out of Georgia and and juggling work and family life and all that. It, it, it's all very common themes, of course. Um, it's just that the vehicle for all these themes happens to be pro wrestling. And what I like a lot, too, is that the show does not look down on pro wrestling or treat it as a joke. There, there are funny moments, for sure, but... The wrestling is still treated with respect on the show, which, you know, given how mainstream pop culture views wrestling as this, you know, dumb fake joke, which it is a lot of the times, to be fair. I think the way this show treats wrestling and looks at wrestling in a more more fair and balanced light is – it's a big positive, Joe, I think.
0: No, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely – yeah, it doesn't treat wrestling um, like some kind of sideshow or, or, or the butt of every joke. Um, you know it's funny because I in the pilot there's that uh there's there's one character in the pilot who is specifically there to represent the audience that to represent the part of the audience that doesn't know anything about wrestling okay and her role in that pilot is to ask these dumb questions well dumb to me and you these dumb questions so that another character can explain wrestling things to her. And really that's, she's the sort of the avatar for the audience. Like there's one scene where she goes, uh, she's like, why is Jack acting this way? And then another character goes, well, you see, he's practicing kayfabe. (laughs) Kayfabe is the art of, and then they explain what kayfabe is. And that's basically so the audience then understands what kayfabe is, you know, for the rest of the duration of the show or whatever. So, um, so yeah, from that standpoint, uh, once they get done with sort of the tutorial pilot episode and teaching everybody this is what wrestling is, this is what the terms mean, I thought they treated wrestling with respect.
1: Mm-hmm. And it helps, too, that there are people involved who actually like wrestling, like the lead guy, is Stephen Amell who plays Jack, and he's a huge wrestling fan. Um, I mean, he's actually wrestled before, too, you know, in in WWE and ROH and All In. Um, Chris Bauer, who plays Wild Bill, he's a big wrestling fan, too. He's been to, you know, PWG shows a bunch. Um, You have wrestlers on the show, like CM Punk and Mick Foley. So, yeah, I think it is in good hands as far as people involved who, you know, watch wrestling, like wrestling, have been in wrestling. So um, that's a big plus, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they got James Harrison, who should be a wrestler. I mean, Apocalypse. Yeah, can we push Apocalypse next season? I mean, (laughs) mean, how how is Duffy Wrestling League not pushing Apocalypse? I'd push that guy to the moon. But uh, and you know, the the shows. You know, the show really took a dark turn. I'm not going to say the moment, but you know the moment. And it's like this show gets really dark about halfway through, and you really start to understand Jack better when you know. are we, spoil- we sp- are we doing spoilers? We probably shouldn't do. Are we doing spoilers or not? This is your call.
1: In my notes, I was kind of half spoilery because uh, there are a few big moments I don't want to ruin. So I think we should just, you know, be careful sometimes here.
0: Yeah. You know the moment I'm talking about, though. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So there's that one moment in the show where it takes a real dark turn. And then you're like, okay, I understand Jack and Ace so much more now, you know? And, and I think they they were smart to place that moment where they did. You know, they didn't hit you off with that in the pilot. It actually—it was about halfway through the season, if I recall. It was definitely several episodes in.
1: I think it was episode so, three, at the beginning of that one. Oh,
0: um, uh, is that soon? Okay. I so think a so. Yeah. Little sooner than I thought. A little sooner than I thought. But uh, the point is, the show really took a dark turn, and you knew right then and there. You know, to your point earlier, I mean, this wasn't going to be some cartoonish, you know, wrestling show that was going to be silly or whatnot, especially after that episode.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's stars so they have the freedom to you know show all that you know blood and language and violence and and drugs. Yeah, and, a lot of a um, lot, lot of sex and sex too. Yeah, a lot of sex on this show. A lot of nudity, which uh, comes in handy later on when we get to the uh, rival promotion, uh, which is Florida Wrestling Dystopia, run by this uh, fantastic bad guy named Charlie Gully, played by Mike O'Malley. Who um, I don't know about you, Joe, but when he first showed up on the show, I did not recognize him at first because I he's got I like this, you know, yeah. this big white beard and the gaudy jackets and the rings, and he's like this fish magnate. He's got like this fishing empire, and he he runs this deathmatch promotion in Florida. Like he's such a great scumbag character, and uh, and best of all, they show a few commercials for Dystopia, and they use footage from like 2006 TNA hardcore matches. Yeah with Abyss and Samoa Joe and you know it's like uh, I know that footage I know that footage from anywhere and later on when they show the actual promotion there's no Abyss there's no Samoa Joe and there's no impact zone so yeah it was all very uh, very amusing in that sense Joe
0: I like how their idea of the most scummy wrestling promotion possible was abyss hardcore matches and TNA. <laughs> like that was their idea of it, you know. But I didn't recognize Michael Malley either. Like it, he, he just it, tremendous. I mean, the beard helped, but he didn't have the trademark, you know, hat that he wears in every character he plays either. And um, he, yeah, I, I didn't realize it was him. And was isn't he one of the? Isn't he part one of the suits that's behind the show itself? If I'm not mistaken, isn't he a producer or something as well?
1: I'd have to look that up. I don't know for sure on that.
0: Yeah but the 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 one thing that see the Florida what was it Florida dystopia wrestling is that what it was called or Florida,
1: Florida wrestling, wrestling dystopia is the name F W
0: D the one thing about the show that did kind of irk me as a wrestling fan you know cuz i'm able to overlook some of the little things cuz you have to give creative license and appeal to a wider audience but i didn't like how the charles gully character was portrayed as like this millionaire Because if he had that much money and he lived in this mansion and he, you know, had all this money from outside wrestling, he wouldn't be running a a small North Florida indie. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) his promotion would have been much bigger than that. So that kind of bugged me. But they wanted to – I understand what they were doing. They wanted to do the contrast of, you know, Jack Spade running by the seat of his pants and, you know, his competition being this guy who's, you know, just throwing money around. So, um, you know, I understood it.
1: Mm-hmm. And Mike O'Malley is an executive producer. So. Yeah,
0: so there you go. So he must be a fan too, I would think. I mean, um, to be behind a project like this. So uh, yeah, no, I, was, I thought it was – is there going to be a season two? I don't know if I've seen anything. There will
1: be. Yeah, it got renewed. It got renewed. So oh, okay. um, Good. either later this year or early next year probably is uh, season two. So um, yeah, it will be back.
0: I mean nobody watches it. The ratings were abysmal. But you can't do an audience on stars. That's the thing. It's it's really hard to build an audience on stars. I guess it's good numbers for stars versus the budget. Um, I know Rotten Tomatoes, the score is astronomically high. I was shocked by the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, let me pull it up. It's 96% uh, critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 92% audience score. So it's legitimately a decent show. Like, it's not just a show that wrestling fan – like, you know – you can see, I'm sure critics were waiting to completely shit on a wrestling show, let's be honest. And they couldn't. So, yeah, it's a good show.
1: hmm definitely. Okay, let's get to the music here. And uh, just to clarify, we're going to talk about the opening credits music and the themes they use within the show for the wrestlers. We're not going to cover the actual score because that's a little too nerdy even for me, I think. So, <laughs> we'll begin here with the opening credits. This is by Jeff Cardoni and Ben Bridwell. It's called Love in War. <laughs> I like this opening theme a lot here um i like how it builds and builds into this really sweeping emotional crescendo with all the layers of music it's it's not a song that you would hear and think ah yes a wrestling show it's not you know big hard rock or metal or rap as we normally get with an actual wrestling show it's this you know emotional southern tinged indie rock which i think accentuates my point earlier that the show is more about the stories and the struggles of these characters and their lives than it is about you know pro-wrestling. So um, I think that's kind of what they're going for here, Joe.
0: Yeah, at first, the first couple episodes, I didn't like the opening theme, but then it grew on me because, like you're saying, I, I kind of felt like before I knew what the show was going to be, I didn't feel like it felt uh, that it, that that it matched the theme of what my idea of a wrestling drama was going to be. But then as the show started rolling a couple episodes in, I thought the theme fit the show like a glove, and I would always look forward to watching those opening credits, and I would never skip them because nobody watches a show live anymore. I assume you know you were watching it, you know, streaming or on your DVR or whatever. Um, and a lot of times you'll skip the opening credits to a show. I never skip this. I liked not just the music, but you know they're they're going through all the uh, the old wrestling posters, and you see what was Jack and Ace's dad's name? Uh, King Spade. So you see King Spade up there holding up the title and you see wild old pictures of Wild Bill, you know, and they go through kind of the whole history of of the promotion through the opening credits. And I thought it was a really cool opening credits that, you know, once I felt the song fit the show, I thought the opening credits were really good and I made it a point to watch them every time. So, yeah, I, I like the theme.
1: Yeah, the opening credits definitely play up the more uh, heartfelt emotions than, say, the aggressive ones. And they touch on, like you said, the history, the promotion, the relationships, especially the main one, which is, you know, between Jack and Ace, because the refrain of the song is, what is fair in love is fair in war. And I think that sums up their relationship to a T, because they're brothers, they love each other, but oftentimes on the show, they're at war, whether it's, you know, in the ring out of the ring a lot of times so it definitely i think reflects that whole dynamic quite well and you um, see the
0: old you see the old footage of them as children like wrestling in the yard and you know and and then you see like their their dad this you know big pro wrestling star with his poster on the wall of the you know whatever they what do they call that building they, they
1: wrestle in i don't mean to put you on the spot but what's the, the bar um what, what do they call it again i can't what remember. was it called uh the dome the dome, the dome,
0: yeah, you know, so, so yeah, it's 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 a really cool opening credits that really does set the stage for the show itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and Jeff Cardoni is the composer for the show, and uh, Ben Bridwell is the lead singer of the band called Band of Horses, which uh, is funny because when I first heard it, I was like, this sounds a lot like Band of Horses, and it turns out it's the guy. So there you go. Um, but yeah, this song is great. I wish it was longer, to be honest with you, but uh, regardless, I think it does a great job of setting the tone for the show, Joe. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Moving on now to the wrestler themes, and uh, this first one here is for Jack Spade, played by Stephen Amell, of course. This is by Sean Siegel, and it's just called Jack's Theme. So Jack's theme is, uh, of course, a real left turn from the opening credits, uh, tonally speaking. Um, Actually, I had to do a double take because when I first heard it, I could have sworn it was the old Hardcore Holly slash Crash Holly theme, Slow Death, because it sounds just like that one. But um, regardless, you know, not much to it here. Uh, It's your standard hard rock instrumental, big crunchy guitars, heavy riffs, all that. It's your your basic heel-sounding theme, and uh, Jack Spade is a heel, so that all lines up nicely. So, yeah, not very noteworthy of a theme, but it gets the job done, I think, Joe.
0: She said there's a different version of this in the finale?
1: There is, with lyrics. Yeah, yeah.
0: See, I didn't pick up on that. I guess you're not necessarily paying attention to the... Now, as as an entrance music nerd, did you pick up on the fact that there's a different version in the finale?
1: When I watched the finale, I distinctly noticed that they did use a different version of Jack's theme with vocals and all that. Um, and when I went to do the notes for the show and prepare for it, uh, I noticed that they put that song out actually on the soundtrack. Um, so there you go.
0: Wait, they have a soundtrack for this like that you can purchase?
1: Yeah, it's on Spotify and Apple and all that. Um, actually, what they did for this show was uh, after every episode, they put out an EP of music featured on that episode so one will have like the main title theme and jack's theme and and ace's theme another will have uh, rooster's theme bobby pin's theme uh there's different score on each one and there's also a full album too with the whole soundtrack so um yeah
0: is that common in tv i have no idea or is this just a thing that they did for this because they figured wrestling fans would be nerds about it
1: they put out soundtracks for tv shows all the time yeah
0: Really, I had no clue. I watch a billion TV shows. I had no clue that like this was common. Like, where, where you're telling me there there were different soundtracks for separate episodes of the show? Like, like each episode? Well, had the I
1: soundtrack? I think in this case this was like a special thing they did for the show. Yeah, but uh, in most cases they just put out you know the one album after every season or whatever. So
0: what the hell's on it? Like the score and
1: yeah, the and, score like, like a movie songs. Okay. Yeah, or like songs featured on the show, perhaps, stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Well I'm learning something here. I didn't know I didn't know they did that for, for most television shows. I mean, I get it for a show like this, because of what we're doing right now. You know, all these entrance themes and everything, that makes sense. But I didn't know that was like a common thing. I had no idea.
1: As far as the shows I watch anyway, but uh <laughs> but uh but yeah, what what are your thoughts on this song overall here, Joe?
0: I mean just you know, this one's kinda nondescript. It kinda um, like you kind of said at the top after you played it, you know, it's kind of just your standard issue heel theme. You know, um, I, I don't have anything witty or interesting to say about it. It's just, uh, it, I guess it fits the Jack Spade character well enough, but um, it's definitely not one of the ones where when I gave them all a listen, I was like, I've got a bunch of thoughts on this one. It kind of just, like I said, it's kind of nondescript and, and and there, and I didn't even notice that it was a different version with lyrics in the final in the in the finale.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it's not like Jack Spade the wrestler is this complex character himself. You know, he's he's your basic asshole heel with a leather vest and all that. This is not like the fiend or whatever in terms of epic lore. He's a pretty straightforward guy in that regard. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the name Jack Spade is is pretty straightforward and simple there. So um, I think it does you know, kind of fit in that regard there, Joe.
0: What are they going to do? Like, all right, so the dad is King Spade, and they're Jack and Ace Spade. Like, if one of them has a kid and that kid becomes a wrestler, they're out of fucking cards, right? <laughs> What's that kid going to call himself?
1: I don't know. Um, maybe Joker Spade, perhaps? Who knows? <laughs>
0: Four of Spades? It just doesn't work, you know? They've used up all the cards. One of them has to have a daughter, and she's got to be Queen Spade. And then that, 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 that's and they're done. it. I guess Joker, Joker Spade would work. But no, the Joker doesn't have a... Well,
1: like, there's no like suit for the Joker. Joker that's right, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that doesn't even work, you know? So that's kind of a limited family gimmick there when she uses I suppose.
1: Up all yeah, I suppose. Um, well, I do want to point out that um, that version of the song with lyrics called Hail to the King... Again, pretty straightforward there, talking about, you know, Hail to the King, Kneel Before Me, Bow Down, I Will Reign Supreme, etc., etc. And that's interesting because, yeah, Jack and Ace's dad is called King Spade. And Jack using a song called Hail to the King, I mean, I can't help but see the symbolism there of Jack trying to, you know, live up to his dad's name and legacy in a way. So that's, that's my redundant Joe, anyway.
0: Uh, probably. I mean, that's kind of like the theme of this whole deal. So, you know, that would make a lot of sense.
1: The next theme here is for Jack's brother, Ace Spade, played by Alexander Ludwig. This is by Coincidental Miners, featuring Todd Kearns. It's called Run to the Lightning. This is a theme. I love this theme. The lightning crash at the beginning, the 80s-style metal, the cheesy lyrics. It's such energetic, fighting, go-getter, babyface music. And that is who Ace is at the start of the show. He's got the long blonde hair, the good looks, the pretty valet. It's such a perfect fit for him. And the song itself, I like it a lot just in general, to be honest. So, yeah, this gets a big thumbs up from me, Joe.
0: Yeah, this is like total... 80s wrestling butt rock. You could totally see the ace character driving down the highway in his beat-up pickup truck throwing an empty can of beer out the window as he's listening to this song. So yeah, it fits him to a T and it's totally something that a wrestler would come out to the ring to, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, the lyrics are like right out of a Scorpions album, pretty much. Uh, Soul of the wolf, king of the night, heart as cold as steel, love every day, win every fight, never will I kneel. Run to the lightning, run to the lightning, and let the thunder be your shield, never yield. Which, once again, you have the king imagery in the song. King of the night, never will I kneel. There's kind of a a sword and shield warrior vibe to the whole thing, really. So much like with Jack and his Hail to the King theme, there's the shadow of the dad kind of lingering over with Ace as well. And that that relationship between them does play a big part in the show as well, of course. So, yeah, again, that symbolism really playing a big part in this song here, Joe.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you could, on the surface, it's just your typical, like you're saying, Scorpions or like Iron Maiden, like just, you know, uh, you know, kind of 80-ish, testosterone, meaningless lyrics. Well, I guess Iron Maiden, uh, it'd be unfair to throw them into that. Uh, kind of deal, but yeah, when you read these lyrics within the context of the show, you're right. it it does they may have been thinking a little deeper
1: mm-hmm, right. And I like too, how Jack and Ace's themes help differentiate them as characters because, you know, Jack is the more grizzled guy. he plays the bad guy. He's not as flashy compared to Ace. So his song reflects that, uh, whereas Ace, he's got the hair, the girl, the vigor of youth. so, you know, his song reflects that, and and those opposing themes happen all the time in real wrestling. So it's cool that even in a TV show, they're still able to convey that you know more minute part of wrestling, Joe.
0: The vigor of youth you use to describe Ace, who probably has sex in six of these eight episodes. <laughs> we constantly I mean, look, it's, see this man's ass. He is constantly. <laughs> having sex in this show it, he never stops.
1: <laughs> i mean look again it's stars so you know if you have that freedom to do it yes. then you know why not do it then there you go so yeah well before we move on here joe let me just say that this episode of music of the mat is brought to you by hello fresh hello fresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes right to your door no card trips no long checkout lines at the grocery store. It's just so much easier this way. You can also save, on average, over $65 a month with HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. So it's also money smart. There's a veggie option, calorie smart, gourmet, family friendly, whatever you fancy. And I know that you know, for myself, I am not a, a master <laughs> when it comes to the kitchen. I tend to be pretty basic When it comes to cooking foods, uh, I can make spaghetti fine, I can make chicken fine, but when it comes to your more intricate meals, your more quality meals, I tend to falter in that regard. Luckily with HelloFresh, I've got the ingredients right there, the recipes right there, the prep work is low, and the cleanup time is quick. So even someone like me, just an absolute putz in the kitchen, I can have a nice quality meal without all the pressure, it's it's fantastic. So if you wanna sign up, Just go to HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16 and use the code V-O-W-16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16. That's the number 16, by the way, one six. Use the code V-O-W-16 and get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Okay, up next we have the theme for Rooster Robins, played by Alan Maldonado, and he actually does his own theme here. Uh, This is called Rooster's Theme.
0: He's in the hell.
1: It's the. Do my thing, bang, rooster Shitty chitty bang bang Right up off the top ropes I'm landing on your main thing. Terry Taylor, eat your fucking heart out Because, look, you got a character Called Rooster Robbins Naturally his theme is going to have a rooster crowing in it Of course, like the Red Rooster did But unlike the Red Rooster This is a real bopper of a song It's a hip-hop trap song A lot of bass, a choir A lot of self-name checking uh, some interesting lyrics for sure, which we'll get to soon. It's a whole big show and a half. But look, his name is Rooster Robbins. He's got the feather robe. It's a very flashy, bombastic character. So it's no surprise then that his theme song would also be this over the top as well, Joe.
0: Wait, I didn't know we could work blue here. You dropped an F bomb
1: there. Oh, yeah, you can swear all you want.
0: Unbelievable. I thought this was a family show. I wasn't no, sure. No, no. I've been holding back. I've been, you know. I've been doing the whole, uh, you know, I'm biting my tongue thing here. And here you are dropping an F-bomb. This is like a whole revelation now. I didn't know I could work blue on music. This on the ain't mat.
1: the torch, man. You can you can swear away all you want.
0: Yeah. Jeez, who, who would have known? I should have asked at the top. But, yeah, this is like you can't help but think about the Red Rooster when you're hearing the Rooster, Rooster's theme for <laughs> Rooster Robbins here because this is like the Red Rooster gimmick done right. I mean, you talked about it a little with his outfit and and everything, and uh, but it's not this cornball. He's not clucking to the ring with a fucking, uh, you know. Uh, look, look at my spirits raised now that I know I can work blue. This is incredible. <laughs> like my energy levels up because I'm not worried about what what what's coming out of my mouth. This is tremendous, man. We we should we, we should start over, man. Look at my energy now. But yeah, he's not clucking to the ring. He doesn't have the, the. Uh, the, the red Mohawk, you know, it's, it's just so, you know, and, and the song reflects that too. You get the one rooster cluck in the beginning, you know, but other than that, it's, it's, you know, compare it to Terry Taylor's red rooster theme. And it's just like, it, get, it just goes to show like in wrestling, how the same gimmick can be so drastically different done in two different ways. So, uh, yeah. And, and I didn't even notice that he, he wrote the theme himself, and so did the next guy. That's, that's, those are interesting little touches too. So I guess they figured, look, if these guys are portraying these characters, then let's, them, let, let's allow them to have a voice in the entrance music that these characters use, which is actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and uh, as far as the lyrics to the rap verse go, I do want to read them out here because they are tremendous. <laughs> With a little country swang, I'm about to do my thang thang. Rooster, chitty chitty bang bang, right up off the top ropes. I'm landing on your main thing. Ha ha ha! It's the rooster, the greatest in the world. There's no better show. Here's your favorite wrestler. You better let him know. It's that big cock talk. You better let it go, or find your ass suplexed on the fucking floor. Oh, gee. Um, now big cock talk, uh, Joe, that's when you and Rich talk about the boner pills in the flagship, right? That's Absolutely. that's what's going on there. I believe.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. The big cock talk. We got going there little, uh, what do they call that? A, uh, double meaning with the, uh, Allen, double, double, yeah, double entendre,
1: double entendre,
0: Alan Maldonado, not afraid to work blue as we see at the end of that song. But, uh, but yeah, no, this is definitely not your, uh, this is not your father's red rooster, rooster Robbins. So. Yeah. Look, it's corny. The lyrics are corny as hell, like you said, but nothing will top the corniness of the song we're about to do.
1: No, no, it's not. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this song is its very corny, sure, but, but it's also unabashedly confident as well. And that's Rooster's whole arc on the show, really. He yeah. wants to be the big star and wants to be the champion and the top guy, and he believes himself that he can do that, but... Jack doesn't have those plans for him, and eventually Rooster does make a career choice later on in the show in response to that. But, but yeah, he has all this confidence, so naturally his theme song will have that confidence too. So you know, yeah, corny lyrics, sure, but it works for the character, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you brought it up just now. Um, our next theme here, also done by the wrestler slash actor, this is for Bobby Pin, played by Trey Tucker.
0: You gotta prepare uh, people for this This is is horrendous
1: Trey does this one here And uh, folks, buckle up tight Because this is The Bobby Pin Rap Bobby, Bobby
0: gonna sin, you are gonna win you're gonna pin your bobby pin cause my pin ain't your pin and your pin ain't my pin but my pins gonna win cause i'm from texas Fish. bobby bobby bobby
1: messing with Texas, I'll mess with your shoulder plexus. I'm the devil of sin, sin rhymes with pen. The only thing for sure I'll be pinning you to the floor. Bobby, 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 Bobby,
0: Bobby, 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 Bobby Pin. Bobby, 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 Bobby Pin.
1: Gonna win. So despite my best efforts, uh, I have had Bobby, 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 Bobby (laughs) stuck in my head for a few days now. And it just, it will not leave. Oh my God. Now this is an objectively bad and annoying song. But I think that's the point. Not that the Bobby Pin gimmick is supposed to be annoying. But, you know, Bobby the guy is this really naive small-town rookie trying to find himself as a wrestler. He's trying to to figure out his identity in pro wrestling. So as a play on that, and as a bit of comic relief, he makes his own song, and it's just this terrible auto-tuned rap that does not fit him at all. So yeah, it's comically and horrendously bad, but it does play into the character, Joe.
0: Yeah, yeah, Bobby Pinn is a dork. I mean, his name is Bobby Pinn. You know, there's a female character who uh, falls for him at one point and is basically throwing herself at him, and he doesn't even—he doesn't know, he doesn't understand, he doesn't see it. Um, So, yeah, this is his—the Bobby Pin rap is one of the biggest piece of shit pieces of music I've ever heard. My, I can't stand; it's awful. (laughs) Like you said, it gets stuck in your head. But that, like you said, that's kind of the point. Like, it fits this guy because, yeah, he's kind of a—he's—he's a dork. You know, and, and, you know, he he kind of has – he grows on you, though. Like, the character over the course of the show uh, grows on you. He's the butt of the jokes early on, but then you kind of start to feel for him. But this song would never grow on you. This thing is just horrendous. And if this were real, a real pro wrestling promotion <laughs> and Bobby Pinn were a real guy, first of all, uh, Bobby Pinn, the name's got to go. Second of all, it, it, this song – Would have to go like there's no way this man could ever go through a real life pro wrestling push with the gimmick of Bobby pin and the Bobby pin rap. This would never work. (laughs) But for a rookie finding his footing and just learning about the business and uh, but but then they attempt to push him later on. And it's like, come on, this is, uh, you know, you're really uh, you're you're stretching my suspension of disbelief here with this (laughs) Bobby pin. But, yeah, the, the song is horrendous. Everyone just heard it. It's awful. You can't – you have to assume that's what they were going for on purpose though.
1: Oh, I think so because um, there's a scene in episode three where uh, Jack asks Bobby, what's your music? And Bobby goes, I wrote my own song. And uh, Jack asks Mary McCormick's character, have you heard it? And she just goes, can't unhear it. (laughs) (laughs) And in the background you hear, Bobby, 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 Bobby. So it's it's a pretty funny scene. Um, And in the studio version – we get to hear all the lyrics cause my pin ain't your pin and your pin ain't my pin but my pin's gonna win cause i'm from texas don't be messing with texas i'll mess with your solar plexus i'm the devil of sin sin rhymes with pin like it's just so believably awful and believably desperate too and trying to be something like yeah. you can just picture bobby in his room with a pen like okay my name is pin i'll mention pin a lot Sin rhymes with Pin, uh, Texas, uh, auto-tuning, I guess. Like, it reflects his sheer desperation in wanting to belong. And he ends up making something that is A, terrible, and B, doesn't really fit him at all. So, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible song, but it's a pretty good look into his character as well, Joe.
0: Yeah, I for like the first episode and a half, I kept confusing Bobby Pin with Big Jim Kitchen. Like, Yes, they, they do look alike. alike. Yeah, and I kept confusing them, like maybe not necessarily thinking they were the same guy, but I couldn't remember which one had the pregnant wife. Like that was very confusing for me for like the first episode and a half before I finally got all that sorted out. But because uh, Bobby Pinn is almost like a slightly younger version of the Big Jim Kitchen character. Where did they come <laughs> up with that name? Big Jim Kitchen.
1: I have no idea. I mean, where did they come up with Bobby Pin for God's sake? You know, it's yeah.
0: I think they just wanted to give him a, the dumbest name possible to kind of fit his, you know, as like this naive rookie. You know, because uh, Bobby Pin is just a objectively awful name for a pro wrestler. I mean, it really <laughs> is the shits. But uh, but yeah, I definitely uh, struggled for a while to trying to figure out whether it was him or or uh, Big Jim Kitchen in these scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we don't hear this music again, I think, after the first episode they played it in, because, well, something happens to Bobby that kind of takes him out, but um, I do hope that in season two, when they come back, we get new Bobby Pin music that, you know, fits him, maybe shows his growth as a wrestler, and uh, isn't as terrible as this one.
0: (laughs) If you haven't watched the show, you just went through a whole range of emotions there, because you said well, something happens that takes Bobby Pin out. So I could see somebody thinking, oh, he must die. And then you go, but in season two, hopefully. Uh, when he... Oh, wait, he's not dead. Okay.
1: I'm trying so. to tiptoe past the major spoilers as best I can here. Yeah. So, but but no, Bobby Pin does not die. I will say that. He's, he's still alive. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, on the show, uh, there are, of course, the DWL regulars. But there's also a few outside wrestlers who come in to wrestle on the show every once in a while. The first is Ricky Rabies, played by the one and only C.M. Punk. Ricky's theme is by Kiss, off the album Destroyer. This is Detroit Rock City. the first uh, you know real song of the show and I do like that touch of the veteran journeyman wrestlers having the real songs while the homegrown DWL guys who are there every week have the in-house stuff and it's a nice way to distinguish between the two sides there Um, I do however question the choice of song for Ricky Rabies now I like KISS I like this song but Ricky Rabies is not from Detroit He's not a, uh, a rocker, uh, he is a southern wild man with a mullet who wears a bunch of animal pelts. And I just don't think the two really match well, Joe.
0: He doesn't just wear animal pelts to the ring, his son has a uh, has a remote control uh, dead squirrel that flies above the ring when this man is making his entrance. And I'm not making any of that up. Uh, what, it's like a dead squirrel attached to- it's a,
1: it's a possum drone. Is what it is, I think.
0: Is that what it is? A possum?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's a possum. like a dead possum attached to a drone, which then flies above the ring when this man is making his entrance, and he spits blood and everything else. Uh, this is not based on any wrestler that I can think of. Uh, I was trying to think, who are they basing this on? But this is clearly the uh, the creation of somebody's sick mind. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's definitely not a, a guy that would be from Detroit, but... I kind of like the idea of a guy from because Ricky Rabies, the idea is he's kind of a guy who's past his prime, but he had some level of stardom before and they're bringing him in the Papa House. That's the idea here. This is an outsider. This is the guy who had a big name. He uh, he worked with uh, King Spade back in the day. He made it to national TV at some point and they're bringing him in the Papa House and a guy from that era from what we would assume would be the late 80s or early 90s maybe when he was peaking uh, probably would have used this kind of song but you're right it would have been more like Leonard Skinner or something as opposed to uh, Detroit Rock City by Kiss
1: Mm -hmm. well I believe Punk has said that the inspiration for the character was Tracy Smothers Um, not the gimmick of course but just the the guy and his his whole attitude yeah 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 like his whole demeanor and attitude backstage how he treats people it's it's him you know honoring tracy smothers in that way so yeah, he wasn't like a
0: cranky veteran he was a very jovial i'm here to help you out you know smile on his face knew what his job was knew what his role was uh I, i'd love if you had me back you know helping the other round ra- yeah i could totally see him using tracy smothers as inspiration from that standpoint but the gimmick yeah not even close
1: Mm-hmm, right, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an odd choice for a theme just in general because the chorus and the tempo and, and the mood make it sound pretty upbeat and exciting, but the actual story of the song is about a guy who dies in a car crash on the way to a concert, so it's, it's pretty grim. Um, uh, that, that said, though, I can totally picture Ricky Rabies just being a big Kiss fan and wanting that song for his entrance because that's happened a lot in wrestling over the years, you know, where a song may not necessarily fit a wrestler or be a good theme per se, but it was a big song and they like it, so they use it. So I guess it's true to life in that sense, uh Joe.
0: Yeah, how many territory wrestlers in the eighties used Bruce Springsteen
1: Born, in the, born USA? in the USA. Yep. My my first thought. And they were always baby faces and
0: they were always using that song for total again, they obviously didn't read the lyrics. Um I'm watching through nineteen eighty seven uh, UWF right now, the Bill Watts territory, it's final year, I'm just watching through the final year of uh, of Mid-South basically and before Ted DiBiase leaves for WWF, he's the big baby face there and he comes to the ring to, you know, Born in the USA and, and he's on the show he's on these one hour episodes two or three times each episode doing run-ins, having a match and I just have Born in the USA drilled into my head now because I'm watching all this 87 Mid-South and there's just you know during that time between I guess uh, I guess that album came out what in '85 I want to say that album came out in '85
1: I think it was '84 actually but uh, it was around that same time yeah
0: there had to be the top babyface in every territory in America was probably using that song and and yeah it absolutely does not fit for a patriotic character, uh, which is what they're trying to uh, get across there. And that's just like you're saying here, like it, this is clearly Ricky Rabies, uh, the character here, just picking the song because he thinks it rocks. That's really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. I mean, regardless, I think it's just fun to see Punk in this role, you know, doing the accent and with the hair and yeah. covering up the tattoos and all that. Like, it's it's fun to see him like this way. And, and timing-wise, it was perfect too because the show aired at the same time as Punk coming back to wrestling in AEW. Yeah. So it really added to the whole, you know, Punk revival thing going on right now. So it it was great timing there too, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they could have had him play like a character similar to himself, you know, uh, and, and they didn't do that. So he also got a chance to like do some acting. You know, he did he wasn't, it wasn't CM Punk portraying CM Punk. It wasn't even close to that. So Uh, You know, I'm not trying to put him over like Daniel Day-Lewis, but, you know, he definitely had a chance to to do something a little bit uh, as much. It was as much out of his comfort zone as playing a pro wrestler possibly could have been. I'll put it that way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the final theme of the episode here is for another legend wrestler. Uh, This is Wild Bill Hancock, played by Chris Bauer, who was the main rival of King Spade back in the day. Bill's theme is by Credence Clearwater Revival off the album Cosmos Factory. This is Run Through the Jungle. song here, Um, except unlike with Detroit Rock City, this one actually fits pretty well, because Wild Bill is this you know old grizzled cowboy, a lot of city miles on him, Uh, he's not in his prime anymore, that's for sure, but he's still got this presence about him, and this kind of darker aura to him too, and I think this song is very much on the same wavelength as Bill. Uh, It sounds southern, it sounds grizzled and dangerous, it opens with that menacing guitar drone. Uh, It has this little swagger boogie to it as well, which kind of matches Bill's gait when he makes his entrance. So, yeah, this is a great choice of theme for Wild Bill, I think, Joe.
0: You know, I struggled with seeing Chris Bauer as a pro wrestler through about half of the series. I really struggled with that. I couldn't get because he's obviously been in a million different things. and You know, he's been a, a character actor forever. And... I, I, I really struggled with the idea of him as a tough guy pro wrestler, but then about halfway through the show, he won me over. Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if there was a definitive turning point. but for the first three or four episodes of the show, he was really uh, he really was hurting the, ex- the experience of watching the show for me because I couldn't accept him as a pro wrestler couldn't accept him in the role, but he eventually won me over. So uh, that's credit to him. And because he's not someone who you would, you know, if you're thinking of casting a pro-wrestling television show, I wouldn't have even have thought of him to play like a grizzled pro-wrestler character. I would have been looking for like, I don't know, Michael Madsen or something. I don't even know. If, is he still alive? Like, is, Or is he like... Yeah, he's still around. Yeah. I don't think he's getting work though, is he? Michael Madsen. But Someone, someone similar to Michael Madsen of that ilk. Um, I know he was having problems with drugs and stuff. Is he a working actor or no?
1: You know uh, I mean, as far as I know, he is. Like, you know, his IMDb page is 100 miles long still, so. <laughs> okay. um, I know he went
0: through some troubles. I wasn't sure if um, he was still out there working. But, uh, but I don't know. You, you know what I mean? I would have thought – I would have been thinking sort of that type of actor for a role like this. Uh, Maybe not necessarily for this role, but Bauer eventually won me over. And yeah, as far as the theme goes, he's probably a half generation ahead of where um, Ricky Rabies was. You know, I, I get the sense he's a little bit older than Ricky Rabies and maybe Ricky Rabies came a little bit after him. So now you're talking a guy who probably peaked in the mid to late 80s, right? That's kind of the sense I got with him. Maybe the early 90s. And this seems like, a song that a guy like this would have picked, you know, it was a big hit about 10 years earlier and, uh, it, it does fit him. So yeah, I think this is a good theme for the, uh, wild bill character,
1: mm-hmm. but he also it worked.
0: around an airplane, like Rick <laughs> <Blair>.
1: <laughs> spoiler alert that that does happen on the show. Yes.
0: <laughs> and that got uncomfortable because that wasn't like, that was kind of around the time the Ric Flair dark side of the ring aired too, yeah. you know, and, and they recreated the Ric Flair dick swinging airplane scene with this character, but it was played for laughs on this show. And it definitely wasn't meant for laughs on Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> I mean, Ric Flair, you know, I regret to inform you that Ric Flair has been canceled. Uh, but it's like that the idea here was um, kind of like the way people viewed the Ric Flair incident before Dark Side of the Ring. Like it was just just wild, zany. Ah, that's Rick. You know, that's kind of how it was on the show. So, but it's interesting how, you know, CM Punk shows up on the show just as he's making his return to wrestling. And they kind of had this episode with Wild Bill clearly modeled after the Ric Flair incident right around the same time as Dark Side of the Ring, too.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, strange timing for sure. Yeah. Um, But speaking of which, I think why this song works in the context of the show is uh, when it's from, because uh, Bill wrestles Jack and Ace in the finale. And this song came out in 1970, and it's like with Detroit Rock City, a good way to establish that Bill is the veteran here is for him to have a song that you know is older and sounds older than Jack and Ace's themes. So it works well in that sense too. There, Joe.
0: Do you think that was his real hog on the airplane? Because they showed a hog.
1: <sighs> I think it was a prosthetic. That's my feeling.
0: Giant hog. He's, it was he, pretty big. Giant yeah. hog. Good for him. Good for Chris Bauer. But I, I, you're right, probably a prosthetic hog. I'm thinking prosthetic hog. Didn't uh, Mark Wahlberg have a prosthetic hog in Boogie Nights, right, at the end? Yeah, yeah, Boogie at the Nights end. There? Yeah, same deal probably because even if Chris Bauer has a giant hog, like maybe he doesn't want people to see his giant hog, right? So you want to use the prosthetic hog. That's what I'm thinking anyway.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Hey, you said I could work blue, so... I'm, I'm
1: not shutting you down here. I'm just... I'm contemplating this, all right? <laughs> You're marking
0: down uh, timestamps to edit this baby. That's
1: what you doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, Bill is such a great character. Um, really the darkest character on the show, I think. Um, not evil or villainous, but... He has a lot of darkness in him, I think, because of his habits and his past and all that. And he does act like a father figure of sorts to Ace as the show goes along and you know kinda instills some of that darkness within Ace too. And that plays into, you know, the relationships with Jack and his dad. So um yeah, it's a great role and, and yeah, Chris Bauer does such a fantastic job, you know, inhabiting that role, which is no surprise given that he's always been, you know, a great actor from, you know, The Wire and true blood and the deuce and uh so much other stuff too so um yeah bill's a favorite of mine for sure
0: yeah and he kind of uh that character kind of appeals to i would think the hardcore wrestling fans watching because they do that whole bit where he shits on what's you know the the the, uh the it's not the john cena spinner belt but it's like a gimmick title. it's like a
1: a light-up belt yeah
0: and he's like, this is not a, a championship belt, this is a fucking toy, you know, and he gets in the big dispute with the with the big company up north, which they never <laughs> say by name. <laughs> but uh uh yeah, so he kind of there's a lot of scenes like that with him where he's kind of this he does a lot of despicable things because he's from another era. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's modeled after Ric Flair and people from that era, but uh, they also make sure that they pepper little likable traits into him, and that kind of foreshadows the back end of the season where he kind of does a babyface turn in the show, and you know, without giving away too much, um, to to finally reendear himself with with uh, Jack and the Duffy Wrestling League. So they don't kind of they make sure you. That The viewer knows that he's deplorable in a lot of ways, and he's dated, and he's just uh, this this kind of a piece of shit guy in some ways. But they make sure to plant those seeds for when they kind of do the big turn at the end. So I think that the character was handled pretty brilliantly, too. Because you can't just have the guy be an asshole through the whole show and have no redeeming characteristics at all. And then expect people to rally behind him and like him by the you can't do that, and you see a lot of poor television shows try that, and it doesn't work. But at the same time, I don't think that they were super blatant about the fact. Like you kind of saw, if you're a veteran TV watcher, you saw you know everything coming. Um, I'm not saying this was you know the most brilliantly written show of all time, but I think that they struck that balance pretty well. Of this guy's a dick. Here's why you shouldn't like him. But here's a few redeeming qualities and why he might not be a complete lost cause.
1: Mm -hmm. Plus, there's already a bad guy with Charlie Gully, too. So there's no need to make Bill an actual villain when they already have one, I guess. So there you go. All right. Well, that was our look at the music from season one of Heels. Uh, As you said, there will be a season two coming eventually. And uh, who knows? We'll probably get some new music there. Uh, maybe Crystal will get a theme uh, or Apocalypse. I mean, that'd be pretty cool too, Joe. So, you know, fingers crossed there, I guess.
0: How are they not pushing that guy? I mean, <laughs> what is Jack not seeing that everybody else is seeing? Push that dude to the moon.
1: Yeah, this was a real company. Like, I would guarantee you people on Twitter would be like, push Apocalypse, you idiots. What are you doing? Come on. Or or, or Jack's the champion again. Ugh, oh, what a stale product. Like, it'd be like every other company pretty much there in real life. So, yeah, yeah. there you go.
0: Yeah. And that's another fun part of the show, like because there's like it's a television show. And then like internally, there's this wrestling promotion happening within the television show. So as a wrestling fan, you find yourself uh, saying things like that. Why aren't they pushing Apocalypse? You know, what is that? Why would you book this match? Why is this guy? You know, so you find yourself uh you know attacking the show from several different angles number 1 from a television show perspective and number 2 you're rooting for this stupid little indie to to get their shit straight and uh and you know so that that that's as you get that little bonus if you watch the show if you're a wrestling fan
1: yeah yeah i mean how can like this person win the match when they weren't in it in the first place yeah. so stuff like that yeah. which i mean to be fair it's not too far-fetched from what we've seen in real life with some of the crap-booking decisions over the years. So, you know, there is that at least.
0: And the other little pet peeve was how they have Jack basically scripting every match move for move.
1: Yeah, at the beginning, they, they do show him typing up the script um, for at least the finish of the match anyway, the last couple minutes yeah. of it or so. Um, and I think I remember Missy Hyde on Twitter being like, this is complete bullshit. They don't do that. <laughs> so... Yeah which is pretty funny but um but I mean DDP did it I think so there's one example at least of that happening in real life
0: I think they just wanted to try to find a way to show that Jack was creatively bankrupt at points yeah that that was the whole yeah. point of that so it, it's kind of like again you, you, for television you got to you got to do and that's that's the easiest way to express that point to people who aren't wrestling fans even though they knew wrestling fans were going to be like oh this is horse shit
1: Yeah. And also just to show that he's the guy booking the whole thing in general, really. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Matt. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Not just this episode, but for the past five years. Um, All the kind words, all the support, all the people out there who listened and shared the podcast around. Thank you so, so much to all you guys out there and Joe thank you so much for being here uh this was just a ton of fun and I'm so glad we could do this together here finally
0: yeah no problem man uh anytime I'd love to come back it was a lot of fun so uh congrats on the five years or um what are you still doing with your life after five years whichever way you want to take that and uh and yeah thanks for having me on
1: thank you thank you um any plugs you want to give go right ahead I would think that just about everybody
0: listening would be aware of what I do and <laughs> who I am. But uh, but but I'll do it anyway. If you are a flagship listener, I would strongly advise uh, subscribing to the Voice of Wrestling flagship uh, Patreon. We have two price tiers, $5 and $10, uh, with all kinds of bonus content from myself and – from Rich, uh, we do a lot of stuff together, but we also do stuff on our own, and we get to stretch our legs creatively and do things without the other guy uh, involved. And 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 you get to see uh, kind of uh, you know our sort of style, our podcasting style uh, when one or the other isn't involved. And I think a lot of people enjoy it from that perspective too. Rich has all of his series that he does behind our paywall and I have my things that I do such as November to remember the ECW look back and the Thursday TV reviews and uh, you can get just about everything we do for five dollars a month you can get everything we do for ten dollars a month which includes all of our live content including the live flagship every week unedited you listen to it live before we chop it all up and uh, all of our live instant reactions plus all of our written content as well so Uh, $5 gets you most of it. $10 gets you everything. And if you are already a flagship listener, which I suspect 99% of the people listening to this uh, are, then there's really a no-brainer and no reason not to subscribe. So there you
1: go. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, you know, you mentioned earlier that I am uh, the producer for a lot of your solo stuff on the Patreon, whether it's November uh, to remember or the intelligentsia shows um, or joe eats perhaps but uh whatever it is i love producing it and you know collaborating with you on ideas for them and and making the final product it's it's a lot of fun and very fulfilling and um in fact one of my favorite things i've ever done for the site was um making the stevie wonderful my way tribute oh, for yeah. jovember to remember yeah. uh that was just so much fun getting the clips and you know, hearing your reactions like you know I'm in tears man this is incredible like that's all very fulfilling to me yeah. so I love doing that um funny enough <laughs> that uh tribute clip sat on my computer for like over a year yeah. before it was ever used because that's how infrequent the shows were but um but I think you said recently that the November shows are gonna be a little bit more frequent now right
0: yeah well yeah the last big gap I took I'm kind of getting ahead so and then and then that, that way I can. Put the finishing touches on them and get them out on a more regular schedule. So um yeah, they, there's not gonna be those gigantic uh gaps of time in between anymore. But uh but yeah, no, that's um uh, for people that listen to Joe Vember, you, you know, everyone else is probably saying Stevie wonderful, who the hell is that? But he kind of became a cult figure as I'm as I'm reviewing these these old shows and and yeah, we gave him a uh more than proper goodbye that yeah that was that was just a great piece uh that you put together for that that was that was fantastic stuff and everybody popped for it so uh very nicely done
1: thank you a lot of fun a lot of fun for sure yeah and uh music of the mat is of course also part of the voices of wrestling podcast network follow the show on twitter at music of the mat follow me on twitter at andrew t rich if you want to discuss this episode or the topics you can do so at the V-O-W Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16 and use the code V-O-W-16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Uh, Joe, thank you again and I'll see you around.
0: Alright, take care.
1: Alright, for Joe Lanza, I'm Andrew Rich. Five years are in the books and I'll see you next time for year 6, unbelievable, of Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.